Hello, and welcome to The Rock Behind the Climbing, my new podcast where I talk about the geology of popular rock climbing spots. On this episode, I'm going to talk about the mechanisms and processes that create the unique and captivating rock outcrops and boulders in Castle Rock State Park in the Bay Area. Before I get into any of that, though, I want to take a sec to talk about what this podcast is and my motivation behind it, since this is my very first episode. My vision for this podcast is to connect the defining features of an outdoor rock climbing spot to the geology that created the rock and features that govern the holds and definitions of the rock. In other words, I want to answer these questions. like Why is this rock climbing spot so cool? Or how do these rock outcrops get here? Or even, you know, why does this rock climbing spot only have crimps or slopers? Or, you know, questions like that. I'm not sure that answering these questions will necessarily improve your climbing ability at the location that I profile, but I think that knowing the background behind some of these awesome rock climbing spots makes them more interesting and just makes sense of how extraordinary these rocks are. As for me, my main motivation for this podcast is primarily to score a sponsorship deal with Montucky Cold Snacks or Ham's Beer, and I think that this podcast is my golden ticket. Uh, Just kidding. But if there do happen to be any reps out there, I am all ears. Now, my main motivation is that I am really passionate about both rock climbing and geology. I see an opportunity to share this passion with everyone else uh, through this podcast. My main background is that I've been climbing for about the last year and a half. And although I'm still a novice, especially in the outdoor game, I really, really enjoy it. Uh, Along with that, I recently got a master's degree in a subset of civil engineering called geotechnical engineering, which looks at the properties of rock and soil to design foundations and other infrastructure below the ground. So as you can probably imagine, that constitutes a lot of geology, giving me a decent background in earth processes. All that being said, I'm in no way an expert in either rock climbing or geology, and I don't expect you, the listener, to be either. My goal is to try to explain the geologic processes in a manner that anyone could understand. But since I'm trying to gear this towards climbers, I will assume that you know a thing or two about basic rock climbing. Hopefully in the future of this podcast, I can talk to people who are experts in rock climbing or geology or both. But for now, I'll give you my observations and knowledge and link any source that I use to back up what I claim. So you know that I'm not just, you know, shooting from the hip. All right, so last sort of overview type thing I want to go over is the format of this podcast. So each episode, I want to profile a different rock climbing spot. Before jumping on the mic like any good geologist, I want to take one or more trips out there to describe what I see and notice while climbing around and pair that with background research to get a full understanding of what's going on and talk about the rock behind the climbing. Boom! (laughs) This does take a lot of work and effort, so I'll do my best to keep working on these episodes, but it might be tough as a one-man band. Well, let's just see how this one goes and get on with my trip to Castle Rock. Castle Rock is conveniently located in the South Bay Peninsula area, just west of the heart of Silicon Valley, making it not too far a drive for most people who live in the San Francisco Bay area. So the day of my first research trip up there, my brother and I had time for a morning run 
and a surf before we drove up there from Santa Cruz with our crash pads to do a little afternoon bouldering. No matter if you are driving from the Santa Cruz or Oceanside or the Silicon Valley Bayside, you have to summit this long, winding uphill to get to the Skyline Ridge. Castle Rock is nestled up atop this ridge in the midst of beautiful redwood madrone and tanoak trees. Before getting into the details of the actual climbing area itself, I want to tell you a little bit about the, sky, uh, the Santa Cruz Mountains and the geologic scene that brought Castle Rock to where it is today and makes you drive up such a steep and treacherous uphill to get there. Taking a step back, the Northern California coast marks the boundary between two tectonic plates, the Oceanic Pacific Plate and the Continental North American Plate, which are basically two of many huge puzzle pieces that make up the crust of the Earth. In the case of Northern California, the Pacific Plate is drifting northward, grinding up against the North American Plate as it goes. As a side note, this grinding is what causes the earthquakes in Northern California and has greatly influenced the geology of the area. The boundary between two plates is known as a fault line, and in the case of Northern California, the main fault line is the San Andreas Fault, uh, which runs just a few miles east of Castle Rock. So zooming back in, this fault line doesn't exactly run straight up and down. And there's actually a bend in the fault south of the Bay Area near a small town called Gilroy. Now, tectonic plates don't exactly take curves very well as they travel up and down. So instead of swerving around the bend in the fault line, the Pacific plate just rammed up and over this bend. As it continued to move, the marine rocks on the Pacific plate got pushed upward onto the North American plate, creating the Santa Cruz Mountains. One of the geologic formations that was initially deposited in the ocean and then rammed up onto the land in this fashion is the Vaquero Sandstone, which is the rock that you climb on at Castle Rock. We'll dive deeper into the Vaquero Sandstone in a bit. All right, so I hope that made some sense. Regardless, we are moving on. So finally, at the end of a couple confusing, curvy, and tight mountain roads, my brother and I arrived at Castle Rock. We then broke out the crash pads and hiked on in. At Castle Rock, there are a number of different climbing areas that are well described online on the Mountain Project website, which for those who don't know is this cool open source website where climbers can post about climbs and locations, among other things. We started out on the side that it, of the not-so-politically-correct named Indian Rock. Almost immediately after stepping onto the trail, you start running into boulders. We passed the aptly named Roadside Boulder before reaching the area called Indian Cracks. We began by warming up on routes titled Indian Crack and uh, one and a quarter inch crack, which are both uh, V0 and V1 problems, respectively. Uh, I've linked the Mountain Project pages for both of these routes in the uh, podcast description. They both feature large vertical cracks that you can stick your hand all the way in and use to get up. The uh, one and a quarter inch crack climb is a little less straightforward. Uh, and as a spoiler slash beta alert, you need to lay back on the crack and press your feet against the adjacent face in order to walk your way up the rock. As I first placed my hand on the rock, I could feel the rounded sand grains loosely cemented together. 
As I lifted my feet off the ground and began to climb, I could tell that the rock was textured, but not so textured that I could really rely on the rock itself to provide enough friction to bear a foot upon. Basically meaning I wasn't really getting up the rock without finding holds, which sometimes with grippier rock, you can rely on the friction of your shoes on the rock to help you uh, get up the way. However, on these climbs, I didn't find it nearly as outstanding. Also, I noticed that the rock is generally pretty uniform in that it is all this gray, massive sandstone. This is because the rock lacks any significant depositional features. So before getting into what makes this rock so unique and special, I want to take a sec to talk about how it was formed, its composition, and what a depositional feature is. So the Vaquero sandstone is a shallow marine sandstone, meaning that it is a rock made up of sand grains that were deposited near the seashore. Geologists believe that this particular sandstone originated in Southern California. Typically, shallow marine sandstone is a relatively uniformly graded rock, meaning that the particles or grains that make it up are about the same size and the grains are weathered down to be pretty well rounded. If you're interested in heading to the beach before or after climbing, take a sec to compare the grains from the rock that you climb to that on the beach and you'll find that they're pretty similar in size and shape. Anyway, a consequence of having a composition that is uniform and rounded like this is that there's a lot of space for water to percolate and seep in between the grains, which is a feature that will end up being critical to the uniqueness and climbability of the rock. So after the sand is deposited on the shallow marine floor, the grains were buried under a lot of pressure over a long period of time. Also, while under pressure, a calcitic cement bound the grains together, thus forming the rock. Finally, over a couple million years, the rock moved and uplifted along with the Santa Cruz Mountains through the tectonic action that I described earlier. and is now located at the top of the Skyline Ridge. Thankfully, though, this is not the end of the story, but I do want to take uh, time to explain what is not present in the Vaqueros sandstone. A lot of times in a sedimentary rock, you see repeating bedding planes, which are lineations, small cracks, or joints that create a repeating pattern, which are created when the rock, when the grains were deposited, thus constituting a depositional feature. You see these patterns in a lot of rocks near rivers, and at times it is known for providing good holds for climbing. Uh, while I was searching around on Mountain Project, I came across the Red River Gorge in Kentucky, which has some really cool examples of nice bedding planes, uh, which I've linked in the description below. Well, the Vaquero sandstone has none of those features, so the rock itself isn't really that grippy, and there are no obvious depositional features. So if the story ended there, this place would be really tough to climb on. Luckily for us, though, the story of Castle Rock does not end there. Because what makes this rock unique is what happens to the rock when it faces the elements. After climbing a bit on Indian cracks, I moved on to the main Indian rock, which is about 20 feet high up on the upslope side and like 60 feet high on the downslope side, making it mainly a top roping area. 
We came here to scramble a little bit near where some people had set up some top ropes. On the downslope side of this rock, I finally got to see some of the classic features that make Castle Rock a unique and awesome climbing area. From this vantage, I saw great examples of the smooth sculpted holds that look like someone took an ice cream scooper and scooped out little bits of each rock that make up the many climbing routes. I also noticed huge nodules of darker sandstone embedded among the light gray areas where it seemed like someone was about to take a scoop of ice cream, but hit a particularly stiff chunk of cookie dough. Best of all though, this location features huge caves with honeycomb-like patterns that cover the ceilings. This web-like feature is so incredibly unique to this area as it can only be found in a few places in the world. So at long last in this podcast, I'm going to talk about what is going on here that shapes this climbing area and makes these awesome features. The sculpting, caving, and honeycombing of the rock is all due to weathering from rainwater, actually, and is described as a tophony formation. So remember how I talked about the relatively uniform grain size being conducive to water getting through? Well, it is that feature combined with a distinct wet and dry season that creates these awesome formations in the rock. So rainwater, as it turns out, is not completely pure is actually typically acidic. This acidic rainwater percolates into the rock during the wet season and subsequently breaks down the carbonate cement that bonds the sand grains together because carbonate actually dissolves with the littlest bit of acid. This chemical reaction makes a solution of carbonate rainwater, leaving the interior a heap of loose sand grains. As a quick but big side note, it is customary not to climb on the rock for a few days after it rains or if the rock is wet because it can get so weak from the rain that holds can break off. In the dry season, through evaporation and capillary action, the carbonate rainwater wicks back up to the surface and out of the rock. This evaporation process is extremely important because as the water begins to wick back up and out of the rock, it leaves behind some of that carbonate to further cement the crust of the rock. Also, it leaves cement along the path that the water took to leave the rock, making those crazy honeycomb slash web features called tophony. In the end, you get this extra hard and cemented crust and a very weak interior that eventually erodes away to create those caves. The smaller scoops can be attributed uh, to times where the water didn't quite percolate all the way into the rock and just left a surficial groove rather than an actual cavern. Those darker gray cookie dough nodules, uh, which are known in the literature as uh, cannibals, from what I gathered, are areas with more heavily cemented sandstone that isn't as easily penetrated. So there you have it. The defining feature of this rock is the process of rain coming in and out. And the best example of where this comes into play is at the high point of the park at the titular outcrop called Castle Rock. So moving across the street and up to the Castle Rock, there are a ton of examples of what I, of everything that I just mentioned. I recommend hiking or scrambling around this rock to fully experience all these features. This rock has everything from caves to scoops 
<laughs> to the best and craziest example of honeycombing, which I will include a photo of in the comments. When I was scrambling around Castle Rock with all the weathering in mind, there are a few other features that I started to make more sense of. I mean, first of all, a lot of the rock is covered in moss, which makes sense given that the region is pretty wet and the rock is porous and holds water for the moss to grow with. Also, a lot of the climbs involve large cracks, which makes sense if instead of pooling inside the rock, the water just cuts through it, creating the cracks. For some reason, though, my biggest aha moment came when I took a look at the big picture. So outcrops like Indian Rock or Castle Rock are much larger and connected to the rest of the underlying facies. However, most of the boulder problems are on rocks that surround the main Indian Rock or Castle Rock, which makes me think that these boulders are just severed chunks off of the parent rock, which I guess is kind of the definition of a boulder, right? <laughs> I mean, it sounds obvious now, especially that I'm saying it out loud, but standing on top of Castle Rock at the high point of the park, you can really peer down and see how these chunks of rock could sever off and roll down the hill a ways. This is how you get the many different sub-areas, uh, these sub-climbing areas like the Magoos, which I think were just severed chunks off of the main Castle Rock. With this in mind, you could start to think about how these rocks may have all been put together. However, they probably wouldn't come close to fitting back like puzzle pieces because of the subsequent weather, weathering action, and warping of the rocks after they sever. So in summary, from the deposition of the Vaqueros sandstone off the California shore to the uplift of the Santa Cruz Mountains from a weird bend in the San Andreas Fault, to the complex weathering action creating a Tafoni complex, the rocks at Castle Rock have come a long way to create some of the most interesting and fun climbing routes. Whether you're just passing through the bay or a full-time resident, I highly recommend going and checking it out for yourself with a little bit of extra insight about the rock behind the climbing. As a quick note, I'm recording this podcast during the large CZU August fire, which has engulfed the areas around Castle Rock. So please Go out there only when it is safe to climb. And keep in mind that other note about the rain because it would be a huge bummer to ruin a route by climbing on it when it is wet out. Anyway, thank you so much for listening. If you want to learn more or fact check me, I have a ton of links in the description for sources and photos of what I talked about in this episode. As I mentioned, this is my first episode, so I welcome any feedback you might have because I'm really passionate about this project and I want to make sure it is coming across well. With that, check out Castle Rock and I'll catch you guys on the, night, the next one. Cue out.